If you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you've made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. Sarah Connors! Hey! We have managed to make it, we have managed to get together to record a show twice in two weeks. Look at us go! Dang, this is amazing. It only took us two and a half months to get back to like form, and now here we are. Hey, my whole life at the moment is just trying to get back into habits and being like, yeah, you know what? Do I really need to be fit and healthy? Do I really need to do my dishes? Yeah, those are expendable things. The podcast is important, Sasky. It really is. I know, because, like, I mean, really, if, if I'm that adamant about having clean dishes, I could just buy a paper plate. Really could. I mean, not great for the environment, but... You're also a grown-ass woman. Like, use damn plates and wash them. That's not hard. Oh, it's not the using plates part. It's just that they sit in my sink for a few days because I'm... I'm busy. I look. I'm very busy and important, Sarah Connors. I have lots of things to do. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Um. Anyway, I can't even say that with a straight face. Sarah Connors, it was a big weekend of motorsport. It really was. We have GP3 to talk about. Boy, do we ever! We have IndyCar to talk about. We have Formula One to talk about. We do. And honestly, I got to say, I was very happy with how this weekend was set up. Which I guess is like every or most weekends where IndyCar is on a Sunday afternoon and. F1's early in the morning. You, have, you deal with the disappointment of F1 and then you cleanse your palate beautifully with a nice, beautiful dose of IndyCar. To be honest. No. My <laughs> watching, my... This is every week, Sasky. When does a week go by? When does a podcast go by that does not involve you somehow falling asleep during the F1 race? Because it literally doesn't. I know where you're going with this. I got up, I got out of bed this time. I was fully ready. I was like, yep, I got the TV on, the streaming is going, we're all good. And the race starts and I text Marianne, I'm like, what the fuck did he just do? And she's like, I'm going back to bed. And I just laid down on the couch and went to sleep. Because I was like, oh look, Lewis Hamilton's out the front. Well, there goes all of, like, look, the race wasn't terrible. The race had, and we're going to get into this a bit later, but every time I see on the opening corner Lewis Hamilton a second ahead, I'm always just like, ugh. Time out. Take a deep breath. We're going to talk about ladies in motorsport, and it's going to be fucking baller. Let's get back to the structure that we like to pretend this podcast We have has. structure. Don't even. We, we have three sections. Possibly four. Possibly five. I don't really know. It's fine. And, and they're in a Word document. They are. So it's we, super, we try. like, super legit. Okay, so women in motorsport, we got a couple things to talk about. Uh, GP2 happened, or GP3 happened this weekend. Dang. Dang, man. We saw, in case you're not a GP3 fan, like, in us, case you're to new. be honest, we're not really GP3 fans. We just follow Tatiana Calderon. But in case you didn't know, this weekend we saw Tatiana Calderon get points in GP3, making her the second woman to get points in gp3 the first was alice powell complete badass yeah we know uh absolute badass i just oh man this is so great especially where she'd had some pretty hard luck with like her setup and everything she was lost she's not last anymore it's all good she's well no 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 like 
Uh, Tatiana Calderon had steering column troubles in qualifying uh, for the GP3 race and qualified dead last more than a second and a bit off the pace and started in 22nd. She gained 12 places to finish 10th, whilst it was a single point being the se- only the, like, this is the second female ever to get points in GP3. And that's awesome. And she gained 12 places. It's not like, I mean, yeah, it's it's not like 12 cars died, so she came 10th by default. Like No, we know, I mean, we know she can overtake. We know that she, you know, has proven racecraft. She can race with these guys. Uh, it's wonderful. And it's it's really nice to see at that point, um, at this point in her career, you know, a rookie in GP3, she can battle it out, and it's wonderful. And she backed it up on Sunday, starting 10th, finishing 9th. Unfortunately, the sprint race only awards points to the first eight finishes. So we were almost there. But you, you're, talking about, you're talking about her best performance so far in the season, I believe, had been 14th. She'd had a run of 19s, 20s, 21s, like poor results. She comes out in Germany and goes 20, uh, goes 10 and then 9. She shows that, you know, like her, her 14th early in the season wasn't, wasn't a fluke, that she's a legitimate racer in this competition. And I'm super excited to see her when GP3 comes back in Spa and just after the summer break. Like, I can't wait. Is this, you know, look, we're not saying this is the turning of the tide. She's going to make a run for the championship. But could this be the start of some great, like, some great results? Because she knows she can do it now. Yeah, it'll be really good to see. I mean, it's so nice, too, that she got two really good results on the weekend. It wasn't just the one day. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that, yeah, again, she comes back in Spa. We see some consistency. I mean, that's all we're really asking for at this point is, like, middle of the pack consistency. You get a couple points here and there. We know she's in a decent car. The Arden boys, are, I think, currently about, when we last spoke, they were, I believe, 8th and 10th. So we know that they've got a good car, and hopefully she can take that car and, and do something with it. Some good things happened in Germany. Just a few. Yeah. We just didn't see them because most of them were at, like, 4 a.m. in the morning and we were asleep. Unfortunately, that is usually how this happens. So the other... The other great thing we want to talk about in women in motorsports, and you brought this one to my attention this week. Yeah, Sarah. so I have a really good friend from Malaysia, my friend Sarah. Um, you can find her on Twitter at Sarah Sahadin uh, underscore CBB, I believe. Um, really cool, really into Formula E and all sorts of motorsports. She's actually interning with one of the GP2 drivers this, uh, this season, which is pretty cool. Um, posted on Facebook about this woman who races in um, the, the top... I think it's motorcycle racing in Malaysia. Um, sponsored by Petron- Petronas. Petronas? Petronas. Petronas, yeah. Petronas. We don't have that here. You'll see You'll see emblazing the cars of Mercedes if you pay any attention. Like, come on. She has been doing amazing. Um, and she, there's this whole article that came out the other day. She's, uh, she's Muslim. Uh, apparently, guys are hating on her for wearing a tight-fitting race suit. Um, because they can see her, like, the curvature of her body, despite the fact that, you know, you kind of have to wear a race suit that conforms to your body when you race things. Um, so the, un- the unfortunate part of this is that, obviously, in the Muslim faith, that they suggest, you know, 
either not not always, obviously they're becoming a lot more open with this nowadays, you know, allowing women to participate in sport, but they still really encourage them to participate in ways that are respectful of the Muslim faith. And one of those tenets is that, you know, uh, you you are you are modest in it, and and part of that is not, you know, not wearing form fitting clothing. And we've seen, like, we've seen that quite a lot in a lot of different sports. We've seen it in athletics. We've seen it in swimming. We see it in women's soccer, things like that. You know, of of women who are trying to compete in in obviously fully 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 covered hijab and all of this, but being able to do it in a way that accommodates their participation in the sport. I actually find it really interesting because when you think about it, motorbike racing is a really almost like it makes sense because here's a sport where you are covered head to toe the entirety of your participation. And I was like, well, you know what? I never thought about that aspect of it. You know, like um, you, you will see with the Olympics starting this week, there was a, uh, and I, I'm not going to try and pronounce her name because I will butcher Is she the something. fencer? The fencer from the States? Oh man, she's There's an amazing girl who's competing for the, who's competing for the U.S. in fencing and she has a legitimate chance to be uh, the USA's first female Muslim Olympic gold medalist or Olympic medalist and she's competing in fencing. And she talks a lot about the fact that she was drawn to fencing because it was a sport she could participate in but still respectfully uh, adhere to the tenets of her Muslim faith. She was, she was able to be covered and, and, and all of those things. And I found that really interesting. And when you showed me this article, I was like, wow, I'd never thought of motorsport actually being a sport that would feed into that. But when you think about it, it really does. It does. And you know what? She even wears, um, when she's out and about in her race suit, uh, she's wearing hijab under her, you know. She has a fireproof It's awesome. Hijab. It's so cool. Like, there are pictures of this. I was like, this is, a, this is amazing. Yep, yep. So... You know, there are people hating on her, but, you know, most of Malaysia, including most of the Malaysian Muslim population who are motorsports fan, fans, basically rallied behind her and are just like, you know what, don't listen to the haters. This is a badass. Uh, she actually won the Malaysian Supermoto Championship. She beat 10 dudes to win the Malaysian Supermoto Championship. Like, this is amazing. Um, like, I don't pay an awful lot to motorsports. I know, to MotoGP. Me neither. I, I tweeted this earlier. I was like, neither of us watch motorcycles, but this is amazing. Her name is Sidi Fatima Husna. Um, and she, I mean, this is badass. She's 25. She's a uh, mechanical engineer. Um, amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. I'm pumped. I love, I love these kind of stories because I think in the big, in the big push of everything, people tend to forget that there are so many levels of sport. And like inspirational stories and badass, you know, lady races and all of this kind of stuff. I'm not just about like like the girls in GP two or three, you know, Susie Wolf, those the Pippa Man, those stories are great. But like awesome, badass, inspirational people kind of come at all levels. And that's what this story tells me. And you know, Susie Wolf and all of them are very traditional examples of women excelling at motorsports. And I know personally, and I think I speak for this podcast as a whole where I would really like to see or explore um, more instances of women getting, women getting involved in motorsports that maybe I'm not super familiar with, but, you know, that are incredible like this, you know? This is not something I ever would have gone looking for or even known about had Sarah not posted it on Facebook. So, yeah, I think 
And that's what makes Facebook and Twitter so I know, bright. seriously, you get to hear all these stories. Um, we'll definitely be on the lookout for more examples of women like CD. This is pretty awesome. Um, if you hear about them... If you know any examples... Please send them our way, because we will talk about them at length and probably end up following them, and it'll be a great time for everyone involved. You know what, the, you know what I love about the fact that we talk about women in motorsports? What? It's the easiest way to get rid of any listeners that we really are like, you know what, we'll be fine if you don't listen. Because you get people that are like, oh, you're talking about women in motorsport again? Yeah, we are. And if you have a problem. Yeah, you can leave. You know, not that, I know not that many people listen to this podcast. Like, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but it makes us happy. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have a few good listeners than a lot of shitty ones. So thanks for bearing with us, everyone. Thank you for listening. We love you. We know we're insane. We no, we're not. We're wonderful. We're delightful. Oh, oh. Well, you may be wonderful. I'm definitely insane. <laughs> it's fine. All right, let's move on to other stuff. Let's talk about races, Sarah. Let's talk about races that we watched this weekend. Let's actually do F1 first. I know we have all our notes and stuff for IndyCar first, but let's get F1 out of the way. Um, <laughs> I love how we started this show as an F1 podcast, and now we're like, well, we have to talk about it. Race cars, and I feel obligated to talk about F1, because here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, we should talk about it because everyone, uh, but it just, I, I feel like we got spoiled because the first four races of the season were so good this year. Like they were, and we were like, maybe it's not like, like Nico Rosberg won all of them, but they were also exciting, great races, right? They were exciting races behind the battle for first and second. Whereas this year, and, and look, I mean, I'd probably like the races more if Nico was winning them over Lewis. But the races behind first and second haven't been as... Look, Germany wasn't bad. Like, Hungary was the... Yeah, they were both pretty terrible, honestly. Really, everything until Monaco was decent. And then everything after Monaco has just been kind of a snooze fest. It's unfortunate. And, you know, honestly, like, in terms of what we talk about on here, I think there are enough F1 podcasts out there that are solely F1 that we can kind of get away with talking about other stuff speaking of f1 podcast i listened to super license this morning so shout out to the super license boys hell yeah loved it but i was also listening to it and i was like wow you guys know so much about car racing and my analysis of it was like well this was funny and this made me laugh and this was interesting and they're like well they were in, they were they were breaking down the nico versus uh max situation and discussing about like like uh defensive driving and like how much space and I was just like well I feel like it was funny I mean me too but I also hated it if you're looking for in-depth analysis this is not the place anyway so yeah let's talk about that actually Nico versus Max apparently everyone no no let's talk about the start let's start at the start oh fine whatever uh Nico Rosberg starts a race like an Australian basically and not like a good Australian, like Daniel Ricciardo, like that shitty one that doesn't know how to start races. That, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh, he's, it's, what, the, oh, oh, oh. Like, like the first, like, didn't he lose the start terribly last race and still managed to, like, only end up in second? Like, oh, you're, you're fourth. Yeah, you're, yeah, well, this, this doesn't end well. Not at all. Um, yeah. I, Plus the penalty, like everything went wrong. It's actually a really, it's a good thing that he made it back to the place he did. Like, that's pretty amazing. 
All things considered. I think the big, yeah, look, I think the thing is with, with Mercedes and Red Bull at the moment is that, I mean, admittedly the penalty didn't help. If he hadn't got the penalty, we'd probably be talking about him getting third here. But we're also in a situation where the Red Bull car has got, has got significantly better, right? And we're not talking about a position now where Mercedes can just be like, end up in fourth and be like, well, we can pick our way back three to second. No, the Red Bull car is good enough now that if you're behind Daniel and Max, you better have some really good moves and you want to hope it's an overtaking track. Otherwise, you're staying there. Which is, I mean, I guess that's nice, sort of. No, it's. I mean, I don't really like Red Bull, so not really. <laughs> See, that's, that's why we. Yeah, no, but I'm meaning from a from a larger racing perspective. It's like, it's like that's. I think that's what the selling point of IndyCar is. That whilst some are bad, the discrepancy between the top and the bottom is small enough that if you get your shit right, like there's nine of you that could win. Yep, that's absolutely true. I mean. Not to be all, F1 should be more like IndyCar. In fact, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to make this comparison. We're not going to do this. We'll do this later. It's fine. Um, I do really want to talk about Nico and Max. Because that move, at first I was like, well, maybe Max is being a giant baby because he swerved and whatever. But no. No, Nico actually pushed him full off the track and then turned right. Um, He claimed that his steering wheel locked up or something. But, like, it was straight until literally he almost hit the curb and then tore, turned right. Uh, it was pretty incredible. Well, the, look, the, the, the Super License Boys were discussing this this morning. And their argument was that because he had never technically left his racing line, he isn't a blah. And because he was in front, he's not obliged oh, no, to leave not. that car space. But what I found quite funny was they've announced the penalty. And then Nico's like, well, did you, did you tell them? I'm like, dude, they've already penalized you. You already penalized you. Like, yeah, you can't take it. There's no takesies backsies here. It's the FIA. What you know about refereeing and... They're a bunch of dicks, like... What you know about referees and officials is they have never, ever, ever changed their mind. No. It's like when someone goes to give a yellow card and the referee's like... Like, the referee gives a yellow card, the player starts to argue... That has never changed the referee's mind in the history of ever. No. Like, just shut up and take it. Oh, you'll... And he's like, did you see my steering was locked? I was like, Nico, this is not making you seem very good. Like, you seem like a little bit of a whiny so-and-so right now. And you know I love him. Like, you know that I enjoy Nico Rosberg and that, like, I am the last person to blame him for anything. But, like, it's the FIA. You know that they've made a lot of questionable decisions lately. Like, let's look at all of the rule changes that we've looked at in the last couple of weeks. Um... They're not going to take shit. They're not going to deal with this in any way other than giving you a goddamn penalty. Like, it's just where we're at right now. Do you know what I did enjoy? Obviously, well, I, I did enjoy that obviously with the rule change and the radios coming back, there's all this chat, but I did have to hear that it was hammer time again. And I was ah, like, ah, me too. Kill me. Literally kill me. He's like, Lewis, it's hammer time. And it suddenly hit me that we haven't heard that for weeks because they haven't been able to say it. And I was suddenly like, well, that was the one perk of the radio rule is not having to hear someone tell Lewis Hamilton that it was hammer time. Because really, I just, it, we get it. It just grates. Okay, listen, you win everything all the time. I don't need to hear anything from you ever. Like, give me the team radio of all these people that are, you know, running around in the middle in the back of the field. Not that the number one guy is going to smash everyone again. Yeah, I want to know what Rio Harrianto is saying. 
I I look we we got another we got another one. I'm going to make a new edit for this show at some point and it's just going to be 26 versions of Sebastian Vettel complaining about Blue Flag. Just in like a techno dance loop. Blue flag! Blue flag! Why are there blue flags? And he was like, he tried to be nice about that this week. He's like, blue flags? I'm like, come on, really, man? He gets more Italian the longer he drives for Ferrari. Pretty hilarious. I have to say, my favorite, my favorite couple in F1 is definitely Sebastian Vettel and Blue Flags. Because it never gets less funny how annoyed and frustrated he sounds. And and how the FIA are insistent, insistent on playing. Like, I, there's someone in the FIA whose job, or in the FOM whose job, has to be to pick which of these these audios uh, become, get get played. And it's kind of funny because you never think about how much control this person has over our perception of the driver, right? Because, like, Rio Haraganto, we never see him, we never hear from him. Same from Pascal Verlein and any Verlein. Verlainen. Verlainen. <laughs> Whose engineer said that? Was that Felipe Nazar's? Carlos Sainz. No, no, it's Carlos Sainz. Um, uh, every time you say, every time someone mentions Felipe Nazar and I've forgotten who he was, it makes me think of that, it makes me think of that gif from the start of the season where they go, so Felipe and Nico Rosberg like, is like, what the shit? And then realizes that there's now two Felipe's in Formula One. Because he's basically like looking around and then he looks at the other guy and is like, oh. You're also a Felipe. You're also Brazilian. But, but I was thinking about the fact that whoever does that really shapes our perception of these drivers, right? Because that, in, in a race, we get the grid walk and we get, you know, occasionally, you get a podium interview if you're a winner. But so much of that, we don't see them outside of the media-trained uh, element. So the little bits of radio that we get really shape our perception of them. Like Kimi Raikkonen's radio is always him grumbling about something. Like, did you do this? Why is it? Like, like they're always. And then Sebastian Vettel is always, he's complaining about blue flags or he's being like, like this weekend we actually saw, saw a really, or heard a really interesting exchange from the race where they told him to pit and he was basically like. No, no, no. No, I'm good. That. Like the tires are good for new race. And they're like. I love the part where they're like, well, we're doing the undercut. Like, dude, I can't even see a car in front of me. Who are we undercutting? <laughs> Unless we're going to undercut them by 15 seconds. <laughs> Which, considering Ferrari's pit stop record, very, very unlikely. But I, I, I got a good laugh from it. And I wish there was a way that you could actually just selectively listen to a race and just listen to the... Like, even just for, like, one race where they picked one driver and played the entirety of his conversation. Cause do you know where you can do that? Where? IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> because I was going to say, it would be really interesting to, for me, I would love to hear the amount of conversation that goes on. I'm pretty sure that if you have the paid F1 app, you can listen to all the team radios. At least you could last season. Um, I actually paid the $10 for it last season because I cared more. Um, and yeah, you could, you could, um, they had the, all the team radio, they played all of it or at least a lot more than they play on TV. So I would get like, Oh gosh. Yeah. They also, you know, on TV, they, they play them delayed. Like they don't play them live. So like, no, it's like, it's, it's enough that you're like, 
and like 10 seconds later it would be on tv so yeah it's it's it was a pretty cool feature well someone has to pick it and send it it was a pretty cool feature i don't know if it exists anymore because i did not pay for the app this year but on indycar you can actually tune into um whichever driver you want and you can listen to all of their team radio it's not it's not wait can you only do that if you're on verizon you know, I don't actually know. I think there might be a web app for it as well. Are you on Verizon? I am on Verizon. Yeah, because I keep trying to do things on the IndyCar app, and it's like, this is exclusive to Verizon customers. I was like, I live in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of annoying. We don't have Verizon. And even if we did, I'd still be on wind because I am a cheap motherfucker. My contract is like 10 bucks a month because I'm on my family plan. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a really nice feature. I actually, the other thing you can do, and I, I bet you can do this in F1 as well, um, is you can bring a radio with you to the track and tune into like individual driver channels or frequencies. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm going to actually try that when I go to Pocono. Um, in Australia, we do that with, not frequencies, but you come to the cricket and you tune in and they, the commentary gets played over the radio so you can listen to the commentary while you watch the game. No, they have that too. It's just um, the team radios are all available, which is really neat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty nice. 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 Well, uh, the only other thing I had on my list to talk about was Daniel Ricciardo being the most Australian of human beings. Um, I have one thing to say to that. Look, you can't call yourself Australian. Yeah, go, go ahead. No, no, no. My thing to say to that is I posted this on Tumblr the other day. Uh, yes, he drank out of a shoe. But it wasn't a muddy, crusted, game-used rugby cleat filled with bush light. Because that's what I drank out of once, and it was disgusting. I have definitely drunk it out of a skate before. See, that's gross. That's also gross. Yeah, I know, but, like, when you win, when you win, but, but when you, like, win oh, shit, I know. you don't yeah, give yeah. a fuck. Exactly. You're like, yeah. I loved his justification, though. He was like, I was going to do it if I was going to win, and he's like, and then it was like my hundred race, and I thought, what if I don't get a win this year? So I was like, well, I'm going for it. Nice. Like, I don't know if you can call yourself a twenty-something-year-old Australian if you haven't done a shooting. Like, I respect that. Just saying, I deeply respect that. Uh, yeah. Australia, Australia has some like I, I'd love to. I'd love to see someone sit down, Dan Ricardo, one day and be like, I'm going to make you explain Australian concepts. Like, Dan Ricardo, please explain Goon of Fortune to us. I know what that. <laughs> yeah yeah in case you don't know australia has clotheslines that are basically like a stick with the clothesline on it and it spins around right so to play a, to play goon we call them a hill's voice so to play goon of fortune you get a goon sack which is basically a wine a bag of wine like a cask wine bag and you you peg it to the 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 uh hill's hoist and then you spin it and if it lands on you, you got a drink. We're a great, great people. This is what happens when you send, like, people to the other end of the earth and be like, you know what, y'all just can stay down there. Maybe you should stay in your little tucked away island situation. You put them on an island and then you leave them to their own devices for, like, 250 years and you're like, yo, we've been 250 years old. Ah. Uh... 1788. No, we're not. We are. No. We, look, no one discovered Australia till 1770. Wait, are we? And then no one settled in Australia till 1788. We're not even talking, like, Australia as a country is 115 years old. 
Dang. Well, yeah, no, I know that. Canada's about the same, right? Well, a federation, when we became a commonwealth and all of that, is Canada is uh, 149 years old, which I know because next... That's still, that's still not that old. Because next year is the 150th. Oh, dang. I, Sarah, when I went to Boston, wait, wait, hold I remember on, standing hold on. in a graveyard. Hold on. Does that mean that Canada's 150th anniversary coincides with the Maple Leafs' 100th anniversary? Because that is going to be hot garbage, and ter- I'm never going to Toronto again, ever. <laughs> well, none of the 150-year celebrations are in Toronto. They're all in Ottawa. Oh, good. Well... Like, I mean, we're doing stuff. I'm still but And there's some Ontario stuff, too, but all the big celebrations are in Ottawa. Um, but the Maple... Well, it kind of coincides, because it's 2017 and the end of the season and all of that. Um, but, Sarah, when I went to Boston, I remember standing in a graveyard in... In downtown, but whatever that downtown crossing, it's down the street from my my work. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was on. It's on the. It's on the. It's right next to the park. What's the brick trail called? It's on the Freedom Trail. The Heritage Trail. The Freedom Trail. Freedom Trail. Yep. I was like, I know it's, it's the sucking trail. It's freedom. Come um, on, we invented yeah, America. It's definitely. Th- <laughs> we did. True. We did. I'll give you that. But I remember standing there and looking at these gravestones, and and I said to my friend who was with me, I said, these gravestones were put here. A hundred years before someone found my country, not settled my country, not formed a government in my country, not anything like. But some jerk from Europe found Australia later than, yeah, yeah. You know, so, well, well, okay. Yeah, 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 we know. Australia had been found long, 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 long ago by the, but like white people found it and were like, oh, we never knew this was here. Let's just take it over and ruin everything. Yeah, anyways, Boston's real old. Some Dutch guy found it by accident. <laughs> it's a good time. He was like, this is the West Indies? No, we're, we're not. This is not the West Indies. This doesn't look right. Anyway, speaking... Sarah, let's talk about Indy Speaking of Australians. I got Will Power's book today. I'm going to start reading that. It's a good time. I love that someone was like, who names their kid Will Power? Like, someone with a sense of fucking humour. An Australian. Like, an Australian. Australian's just like... This is a great name for a kid. Like, this is hilarious. All right, time out. I need more wine. Time out. I need more wine. It's, it's, you know what? I'm in a sling right now and I'm miserable. So instead of taking painkillers, I'm just going to drink some wine. It's fine. I love the fact that you were classy enough, though, to put your wine back, whereas I've just got the bottle of wine on my desk and just keep refilling it. You didn't see me put it back. Did you look? It's right here. It's just next to my computer. You can't no, see it. No, but I like the fact that you had not remembered to put it out before the show started. You're like, oh, I won't drink this whole glass of wine. Yeah, you will. Um, anyway, anyway. So IndyCar, we had Mid-Ohio this past weekend, which was wonderful. Um, the last year at Mid-Ohio, you know, obviously, like, this race is kind of a mess. Uh, 12th, 13th, and 14th last year placed first, second, and third. Sarah, I just have to tell you something that I was so excited for this IndyCar because I obviously, there hasn't been IndyCar since they were in Toronto. I, I knew that I was starting to fall for IndyCar. Like, <laughs> yep. I knew that it was coming and then it was coming and I was like, oh my God, I have to be home. The race starts at 2.45. I have to be home to watch the race. And then Maria's like, are you home to watch the race? The race is on. It's starting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming. And then I watched and it was great. And I love it. And it's just... It's so beautiful, right? I don't have time for this shit, Sarah <laughs> I mean, the nice You're thing the is that, like... the worst person I know. The really nice thing is that 
you know, they have such a great social media presence that, like, you can follow it from wherever, and it's fine. I want to, like, fan mail to their content marketing or in their content development department. They're all on Twitter. That's so good. Yeah, so, obviously, you know, the funny thing is here, too, is that, like, Team Penske is basically the Mercedes of IndyCar, right? They're so good. They've got tons of money. They, they have the two drivers that are leading the championship. They're in a battle for the championship. It's Simon Paginot and Will Power. Uh, Scott Dixon did not finish, so he's kind of, you know, he's a long shot for the championship at this point. But, like, these two drivers are still fighting for this, this thing, and Simon's never won it before. Will's won it once. And it's the most entertaining, like, beautiful thing ever. They're really cool with each other. There's no annoying fan infighting. It's just all a great ass time. And like, I'm, I just, I can't wait for the next race. Like I need to be here now because I want to know. Well, I was super excited because I thought it was this weekend. I was like, yes. No, they're testing at Pocono this week. And then it's in three, two weeks, two weeks and a couple of days. So. Well, I, I was like, oh my God, then what am I going to, I'm going to watch the Olympics this weekend. So I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> But yeah, so that race, holy crap, dude. Like, Simon won. Will came in second. They, oh man, like some of their battles through some of those corners, the fact that I believe Simon overtook Will at the carousel and like, that's not usually an overtaking point and just, man, stop. I just, I have so many feelings. I also have a friend who's a really, really, really huge Simon Pagano fan. So I'm like really pulling for him. But I also really enjoy Will Power. So... Really, no matter what happens. I, I enjoy the fact that Will Power seems to operate. Like, Will Power seems strong all the time. Like, he's not. Obviously, he's not. And, and he's not a strong But he just has this, like, demeanor of just blank, like... He has really wide eyes and he doesn't talk a lot. Squirrel-eyed. Like, he's like a stoned meerkat. <laughs> Basically. And I'm, I am all... I am all there for it. Like... I am, he is Australian. He could be like probably a terrible person and I would still be like, yeah, let's go willpower. (laughs) Yeah, hey. (laughs) That's New Zealand who's the questionable character there. (laughs) So different country. We also had a case this week where this is the third time this season that someone has had an incredible race weekend while operating injured. We had willpower in St. Pete with his, like, ridiculous flu virus situation, where he set the fastest lap in qualifying by far and then couldn't actually race in the race, so Oriel Serbia had to drive his car. We had Joseph with his Texas crash and then coming back to win at Iowa with a fucking plate in his shoulder. Every time I see his... Every, every time I see a picture of his hand with, like, the... I'm just like, it's like a claw. So that thing... So he's got, like, tape on his hand? It's actually the same tape that I have on my shoulder right now. Uh... Yeah, it's the, uh, it's like, we call it rock tape in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's got some name. I got it at physical therapy today where it, like, holds the, yeah, exactly. It, like, holds things together. So he must have some sort of joint looseness happening or some KT tape. That's what it's called. KT tape, yeah, yeah. They're actually a sponsor of the U.S. Olympic team. Oh, dang. And they sell a form of the tape that has USA written on it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. But, yeah, so... You know, there was Joseph that, and then Simon this weekend, 
was having like major back spasms. So he raced that whole race. I did see that they were like, he couldn't, he couldn't get out of the car. He had to have help getting out of the car after the race. Yeah. So, you know. So they did ask him, they were like, how are you feeling? He's like, I can't feel anything. (laughs) I feel great. I was like, well, winning does fix a lot of problems. You're going to have regrets tomorrow, maybe, but that's fine. Yeah, you gotta. Well, that, see, see, it was actually quite interesting because we, uh, we saw Mid Ohio. Um, that's an incredibly physical course, and it was one of the courses you where it became quite obvious just how. I mean, we obviously see F one, and we theoretically know that it's physical and that, but IndyCar is just a whole nother level of physical. The tracks, the G, like just just the lack of power steering. The lack of power steering, yeah, what it does to your hands, your arms. Like, the fact that Joseph Newgarden is competing with both hand and collarbone injuries is absurd. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you walk around every race weekend and you see drivers with, like, their entire hands taped up for no reason uh, because of the vi- vibrations and because it sucks. I mean, it's funny because when we in F1, uh, I know quite a few years back, Mark Webber raced with a... He had a fractured shoulder or, like, he'd broken the shoulder because he'd, like, fallen off a bike for the second time in six months because some people don't learn lessons. And they were saying, like, you know, what that physical impact was like. And I think it was uh, uh, was at the end of the season, so they were at, like, Suzuka and Brazil and and a few of those those, those tracks. And... um, that's that's intense and we and everyone are like oh that's you know but in car is a whole nother level and i think this became really obvious on the weekend in in part because we saw uh rc earson making his first kind of indie car debut and not just an indie car race debut i don't think he'd ever been in an indie car before that weekend we're talking about him doing his first indie car pit stop during a race so he came from Indy Lights. And then a second Indy car pit stop, which didn't go that well. He came from Indy Lights. He raced the first part of the season, and then he decided halfway through that he was going to quit the Indy Lights season and save all his funding for a drive in IndyCar, even if it was just a one-off like this weekend. And it worked out. I mean, Well, it was actually quite interesting because they uh, were talking about that decision at one point. And they're saying, obviously, for an Indy Lights driver, your goal is to win and win that, was it uh, $750,000, I think it is? You get a guaranteed... It's supposed to be enough to fund you for one Indy car season. Yeah, but I think from what they were saying, it sounded like it was enough for three races. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an ideal. I mean, that's how the Mazda Road to Indy works, is that yeah. you have USF 2000, where the winner of that gets sponsored by Mazda in Pro Mazda, and then the winner of Pro Mazda gets a sponsorship to race in Indy Lights, and then Indy Lights is supposed to translate into IndyCar. The problem is, is that it's easy to transition from one to the next when you're in the Mazda Road to Indy. It's just getting from Indy Lights to, well, we've seen that this year with Spencer Piggott. Like, he hasn't gotten a full season, but he's using his win in the Indy Lights championship last year to try to transition into IndyCar. Um, yeah. And, and they were talking about that this is obviously the pathway, but Arthiosin found himself in a position where there was no way for him. He had car troubles and had this and that and so forth. But there really wasn't a way for him to... He wasn't going to win the championship. No. He couldn't win. So he was like, well, why don't we not spend our money on that and then put it towards IndyCar and showing that... And to be honest, it sounds like a genius move because he came out this weekend and was so impressive. And it was all... Like, like 
NBC IndyCar broadcast. They talked about him nonstop. If I'm a team that's like looking for a young driver, I was like, this guy came out. He's at the fastest lap at one point. And I mean, obviously, then his car ran out of fuel while doing their pit stop and it all went to hell from there. But like, he had been so impressive all weekend for a guy who had never been in an Indy car before. But if I'm a team, I'm like, yeah, this this kid, you know, he may have it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's especially interesting for some of these teams like uh, Penske and Chip Ganassi, who have older guys like Tony Kanaan, like Juan Pablo Montoya, these guys that are eventually going to transition into retirement. And, you know, everyone talks about Joseph Newgarden moving into one of those teams. You know, there's obviously a silly season in IndyCar, just like F1. Um, but eventually they're going to hit that point and, like, this just adds to that pool of young drivers that one of these teams could easily pick up. And I mean, if you look at Chip Ganassi, you look at Team Penske, like, these are not teams that need pay drivers. Obviously, no. Max Chilton being the exception to this rule. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he obviously brought a good sponsor for them, so that's fine. Um, but there's, there's also a total different level of being a pay driver in IndyCar. As there is to being a pay driver in Formula One. Chilton has actually shown that he's somewhat competent at IndyCar. You know, he won at Iowa in Indy Lights. He's actually shown to be good at the Ovals. Well, to defend Max, to defend Max Chilton, he did have to drive a manor. He did. It was Marussia at the time, but still, same thing. But there's, there's a larger discrepancy between the cars pay drivers end up in in F1 and the cars pay drivers end up in, in IndyCar. Like, the IndyCar cars actually go. Mm-hmm. They do, and they actually require some level of, you know, grip strength to be able to drive them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. It's really good that Anderson came in and had a good weekend, so hopefully we'll see him in a car again this season at some point. I I had tried to... My, my, my RC Earson loop, which I started and then got sidetracked on, was I believe they were actually pointing out at one point that he was coming around corners and you could see him almost leaning in and like, like almost resting his head on the side of it, uh, of the thing as they, they were coming. But it made me think because a couple of weeks earlier, and, and that was the discrepancy they were talking about, you know, you'll be, you're, you're a rookie, you haven't been in these physical forces, you haven't had to deal with them before at the same level. Yep. And so that physical strength is not necessarily quite there. And it made me think of a couple of weeks earlier, we saw... Now, it was one of the Renault drivers. I can't remember if it was Magnuson or Palmer. I think it may have been Palmer. Was coming around corner. Actually, no, I'm pretty sure it was Magnus. Coming around a corner, and you could see his head kind of resting for a couple of seconds and then come out of the corner and, and, and go again. And it was just that quite interesting kind of top-to-bottom, young guy, old guy kind of comparison. Yeah. I've actually never thought to look for that. That's, that's really interesting. I'll have to keep an eyeball up for that. Well, it's not something I think I noticed, but I know it was a discussion that they had been talking about it at various points. Um, it did make me think, uh, sorry, you mentioned some of the guys being older uh, and you mentioned Tony Kanaan. And it makes me laugh because I think I sent you a text message just this afternoon that you know how old Tony Kanaan is when you're reading a, a report of a race from 2001 and it's talking about TK being the fastest lap. <laughs> it was like... 2001? That was 15 years ago, Tony Kanaan. It was. It hella was. What? I mean, I think, yeah, he and Montoya are, like, by far the oldest at this point. I don't know if no one else is really that close to that. Like, TK's still, like, TK's still, like, mad buff. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I didn't put this in the notes. JPM is like everyone's favorite chubby uncle. I know, seriously. Uh, Tony Kanan is going to murder Alexander Rossi at some point this season. He's legit going to murder him, and I'm going to be the saddest human being on the planet. Uh, The two of them have gotten... But you'll also be like, you know what, I can understand this right now, because... The two of them have gotten in some, like, really weird tangles the last couple races in terms of, like, overtaking. I believe one was in Texas, where Rossi was trying to unlap himself and just didn't take the right line at all into one of the corners. Uh, And then, yeah, this, this race, I think he was legit trying to overtake TK. And it didn't go well. Um, I'm, I'm giving it one more incident before he's actually dead. But we'll see how that goes. Are we going to see an Indy Lane pit fight? Because my money is on TK. Dude, I'm pretty sure TK could crush a man's head with his thighs. He could probably crush a man's head with his thighs. He does triathlons. Like, I'm on Strava for biking and running and stuff. It's an app that, like, tracks all your, your progress and whatnot. Um, I like it because it gives you badges for, like, completing challenges and stuff uh i also like it because there are a ton of race car drivers you really like game of you really like gamification based apps yeah when people are talking about that sort of stuff i'm the kind of person that they're trying to hook um i only have not gotten into zombies run because it drains your battery so much but yeah yeah gamification is kind of my jam um i also really enjoy it because there are a ton of like race car drivers on strava and i like to see if i could beat how far they've run each month I think specifically it was... You're not competitive at maybe, all, Sarah Connor. No, I think it was Kevin Magnuson, actually. That, no, no, it was Spencer Piggott. I was like, can I run more in a month than Spencer Piggott? Because he's doing all this other stuff, probably. And, like, I can at least beat him at the running part of it. Uh, I didn't. I think I lost by, like, two <laughs> miles, which sucks. But whatever. It's fine. I just imagine you being like, it's the last day. I'm, I'm going to run two miles just for the point of being. Yeah, I really should it. have. I think, I think I was going somewhere like the last weekend of that month and I got home and I was like, fuck, I meant to do this thing. And then I never did. It's fine. But yeah, it's. it's- I use a uh, map, map my ride because I ride to, I ride to work and back. Yeah. It's like 10 Ks a day. That's it. So you should check out Strava because Strava actually lets you set a route as your commute route. So you can see like how fast you're going on that and whatnot and uh fucking slow i ride a bike that i bought from canadian tire for 99 dollars. yeah it's a piece of shit you know what it gets the job done it gets the job done i didn't want to buy something nice before i knew that i could stick to like actually riding to work but we should be talking about mid-ohio that was great uh mid-ohio yeah so <laughs> tk is gonna kill rossi uh, other rookies, Connor Daly. We got to talk about Connor Daly for a second because I love that kid because I feel like he's possibly the only IndyCar driver more awkward than I am. Yeah, he's also delightful though in person. Oh no, I love him. I think he's great. I really, I like. Yes, he's also the Honda driver that has led the most laps. God damn it, Honda! Why do you pain me? In yeah, every I was like, series? wow, Honda are really Honda shit. Are shit. Yeah, so. There's also this other thing that IndyCar does. It's the don't crack under pressure tag tire thing. Um, and it is, like, the driver that uh, moves up the most positions, like, over the course of the season. So, for example, I think Connor started from, like, 22nd on um, last Sunday, and he finished 6th. Uh, in Detroit... He started both of those races from pretty close to the back of the field, and he finished second and sixth. So he is 
he's leading that like don't crack under pressure thing and i think you win money at the end of the season if you like win that or if you if you increase your positions more than anybody else um he's currently leading it by four positions over graham rail so yeah honda driver that sucks (laughs) (laughs) they're a bit shit (laughs) they're a little bit crappy um one of them ended up on the podium this weekend, though. Your boy Carlos came in third. My boy Carlos! <laughs> so that's pretty great. It's nice to see Andretti have a little bit of success. Just a little bit of success on a road course. I seem to be all about these Colombian drivers. We got Carlos Munoz, we got Tatiana Calderon. Like, I could only be more into them if they were, like, Paraguayan. <laughs> what about Juan Pablo Montoya, though? <laughs> For those of you who can't see us right now, Sasky just, like, complete deadpan. Like, oh no. It's fine. Um, my, my best friend hates Brazil, and she's like, I hate Brazil, except for Ilio. Right. I hate Brazilians. Helio's delightful, though. He's great. He can stay. <laughs> I was like, is it the hair? We'll come back to Helio in a bit. The fact that it may just be one thing. Because Helio was the captain of the Family Feud team. So we'll come back. We have to talk about Family Feud because it was amazing. A few more points on Mid-Ohio, though. Uh, Bourdais took Takuma Sato out and then apologized on Twitter. And then Sato was like, I mean, that's fine. But AJ Foyt is looking for you. (laughs) You know what's better than general shade? So we're not really sure. Shade thrown by a Japanese guy. Right, he's like, mm, my team owner has a couple words to say to you right now, which is pretty great. Uh, I love that they, they play it out on Twitter and it's not stupidly dramatic, like it's fun. Oh, it's hilarious, yeah. I love, I really enjoy the, the interaction between drivers on Twitter and IndyCar. Like, Helio actually had an issue with Scott Dixon. Helio took Scott Dixon out of the race because Helio was, he was on the racing line, but he started to drift to the right and Dixon had gone for the gap on the right. Uh, and Helio shut the door on him. Like, it was it was a little bit questionable, but also, like, kind of the same situation with Nico and Max. Like, how far, like, how much of a gap do you have to leave if you were the lead car and you've made one move, you know? Um, so Helio actually went on Twitter and apologized to Scott and was like, oh, you know, sorry, you know, it was racing, but I shouldn't have, you know, I, I maybe messed up a little bit. So he ended ended up interacting with fans who were like, well, you didn't leave space. Like, you should have left the gap. You should have done this, you should have done that. And he was like, well, but how competitive does that make the race if I'm just leaving a space for a guy, you know? Scott definitely was not significantly faster than me. So what do I, what do, I do in this situation? You know, they go on and they engage and they talk to fans. They answer questions. They do all sorts of stuff that's really wonderful. Um... But yeah, it's and there's no like stupid drama that gets played out for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's it's really wonderful. Oh my god. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's no no, I'm meaning like there's no Nico and Lewis. And I just lost it. Uh to answer your question over on the sidebar here. IndyCar is not a retirement home for former F1 drivers. The only one that's in IndyCar right now that used to be an F1 is Montoya. And also Rossi, but Rossi only drove five races and he's like 26. Uh, there are guys, R.C. Anderson is 19, all the way up to Montoya being whatever, 40, however old he is. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's, it's super competitive racing. It's really fun. So we found out on Twitter today via Katie Hargett. She's delightful. 
She's the pit lane reporter for... How, sorry, but how great was Katie Hargett interviewing Alex Rossi with the rain on the qualifying? And she's like, he held the umbrella for me. I was like, well, most of them would because they're not assholes. They're not dicks. Yeah. Um, Katie's great. She actually, she plays along with like all of their shenanigans. So like, I don't know if you've ever seen the IndyCar season intro video with Connor and Joseph and Katie. I'll send you a link. We'll post a link in our little... Oh, the one where it's Anchorman? Yes, the Anchorman thing. You know, IndyCar has actually hidden that from their YouTube page, even though it still exists. It's like an Easter egg that you have to know the link to. <laughs> delightful. Which you know the link to, don't yeah. you? Yeah, oh, I have it. I've got it saved. Um, she is wonderful. She's super smart. She knows a lot about IndyCar. Uh, she went on Twitter today and um, posted about the numbers. So NASCAR got rained out. NASCAR was at Pocono this weekend. Uh, IndyCar was broadcast on CNBC in the States. Usually it's on NBCSN, but that was where NASCAR was. Because NASCAR got canceled, they actually simulcast it on CNBC and NBCSN. Uh, And it drew over 1.2 million viewers, which is a record for NBC Sports. Uh, By comparison, that Family Feud episode pulled 5 million. So... Well, that's because it's on a publicly available network. Yeah. That being said, finding a stream of ABC to watch that... Family Feud. ...that show was the hardest thing I have ever had to do when it comes to... Like, you want me to find a sporting event? Hell yeah, no problem. You want me to find a hockey game in Sweden or Iceland or a freaking volleyball game? I can find that shit. You need me to find ABC? Do you know how hard that is? It took me like an hour. Who goes out of their way to watch fucking Family Feud? Let's be real. <laughs> yes, Aside from today. I really wanted to see this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so that's super great. Like, really great ratings. I think that NASCAR, a lot of NASCAR viewers who were like, oh, my race is canceled. What do I do now? Ended up tuning into the race. Um, I saw a lot of, like, chatter on Twitter from people that I don't usually talk to about IndyCar. So that was cool. Um, I do actually think that this Family Feud episode has drawn a couple people in as well, which, you know, the more they can do to promote this series, the better. Um, You know, ever since the cart and champ car split in the 90s, IndyCar's kind of struggled a little bit with numbers and ratings and whatnot. Obviously, like, it's kind of seen as the little sister of F1. It's, like, not not something that people think about as, like, a top-level series. But... You know, the things that they've been doing in the last couple of years to promote it, like all the dumb videos and all of the, you know, trying to get in on NBC Sports, I think a lot of that stuff has helped. A few more things from Mid-Ohio. I have like two more things that I wanted to talk about. One more thing, actually. I just want to talk about the guy, I, the only guy in this series that I hate. I feel like as an American. <laughs> you really need to explain to me why we dislike Mikhail Alicia, because I was backing him. I really wanted him to win simply because I love watching people win something for the first time. No. It's just something that gives me this satisfaction in my little, like, story-loving heart. It's like, you won your first race. Yay. First of all, he is Russian. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, that's a joke. That's not why at all. Okay. Yes. Because uh, I was like, Sarah, are you judging people based on their country? Because as well, no. an American, no, that's no, no, a no, bit no. rich. Actually, I... <laughs> no, everyone does it to me. Why can't I do it to everyone else? Um... <laughs> you should know how unfair it is if everyone I does know, it to I you. Know. I just, I, you know, I just post bald eagle gifts in response to it, and it, whatever, it's fine. 
Um, no, Alotion as a person seems like a really cool dude. He does the like parentheses smiley faces like Ovechkin does all the time on Twitter. It makes it's delightful. But as a racing driver, oh my god, like, mmm, I can't. My first, this is very recent, actually. It stems to May. It stems to qualifying for the Indy 500, right? So, qualifying day, right? Rossi is in, no, he's in 11. He is, he has, no. I should have known this had to do with Alex Rossi. So, he's qualified for, like, the fast, the fast day of qualifying. And, like, the timer ticks down to zero. And the official way that that round of qualifying ends is that someone shoots a gun because America. Um, the guy shooting the gun. Wait, wait, wait. Who shoots a gun at what? So they, they fire a pistol to designate the end of qualifying for the day on the first day of qualifying for the Indy 500. That's just how it works. So the it's so American. I know. So the time <laughs> it's so American to have. The timer ticks down to zero. The guy does not see it. Aloysian goes out, and then the gun goes off. So he technically had started a run before the gun went off, even though the timer had ticked down to zero. And guess who he bumped out of the top level? Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're annoyed that a guy knocked Alex Rossi out of something based on a legitimate technicality. It's not legitimate. And then Alex Rossi still, wait, 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 okay, wait. Yeah. Alex Rossi still won the race. <laughs> I'm not going to, look, I'm not going to say that you're, I'm not going to say that you're petty, but I'll just let that That's hang there. That's not the only reason. If that had been the only reason, I would have let it go. I would have just like, you know, a little frozen action, just let it go. Fine. No. Uh, a week later, I'm pretty sure it was him in the 500, the Indy 500. He took Connor Daly out of the Indy 500. <coughs> so now Liz is real mad, too. The Russian just took out their shirts for America. <laughs> we were joking about how it was going to start the Cold War, too. Um, wait, 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 wait. I remember this. I was unfortunate, but it wasn't like an egregious driving error. It was just a... Like, but it was still the same guy who had made me unhappy the week before. But it was more unfortunate than... I don't care. Tasky, have I ever been logical in any of my hatred of anything ever? Touche. That is a strong no. What happened this week? You are American, after all. I... I fine. Uh, I also say that way too much. It's fine. That's, like, my thing. Um, a few more incidents have happened since then. None of which are major but he's always involved in something. Like, he's just a very aggressive driver, which is okay. But we get to this weekend, and to be perfectly fair, this was his team's fault, not his fault. But they unsafe released him into the pit lane, and he hit Joseph. And, you know, he ruined his own race because he got penalty. Uh, and Joseph managed to make it back up to 10th, which was pretty incredible considering what happened to Joseph multiple times in this weekend. So, that's fine. Fucking election. Like, why? Why is it always you? Why are you always involved with all these these incidents? It's always goddamn election. Like, every weekend, once a weekend, I have a reason to yell about election. Can I defend him slightly? That was totally (laughs) not his fault. No, it wasn't. That was the fact the guy was like, go! But it was still, it's always him. It's always him. I'm not saying that he's the Maldonado of IndyCar. I'm just saying that he is out to I'm, ruin my weekend no, no, every weekend. No, 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 no. 
to 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 defend Paul McAllelation because you should be up. You should defend anyone that gets linked to Pastor Maldonado. Pastor Maldonado's errors are distinctly the fault of Pastor Maldonado. Not always. And they are, and they were mostly egregious errors that could have been considered potential suicide missions. Like, oh, he drove into Joseph Newgarden. Yes. Here's the theoretical explanation of how that happened that wasn't his fault. That was the first time it wasn't his fault. But look, you know what? Let's not, let's, let's not look at logic. That's not the American way. But it's also, way. listen, you have to have a heel. And the heel of IndyCar, for me, is Mikhail Ocean. I'm, I'm sure he's a very nice person. I've gotten his autograph card. That's Actually, wonderful. to be honest, I, when I saw him at the Toronto Indy, he was the first driver I saw who... I had seen with their, their uh, race suit down and that I'd seen his name and number was on the back of his fire suit. And I looked at my friend and said, do you reckon he has that on there because no one knows who the fuck he is? Uh, no. They all have that. Well, no, but, but I didn't, I hadn't seen any of the others. It's at very this- convenient. It lets you know that, you know, here's who you're looking Just at. Just seen his. And I was like, you reckon, you reckon he has that because no one knows who he is? And she's like, well, maybe, possibly. But that was mid-Ohio. It was great. There was a lot to talk about. If you came for Formula One, I'm sorry we're disappointing you. But Sarah Connors, we need to talk about Family Feud. Oh, my God. This is the stupidest thing ever. Because this podcast is nearly an hour in, and we need to get this done. You know what? People will listen. The people appreciate us talking about nonsense. That's apparently our brand. Um, Yeah, Family Feud was wonderful. So I, I thought our brand was Mark Webber and Alex Rossi. That, too. But how is that not absurd? <laughs> That's pretty absurd. <laughs> so yeah, Family Feud. We got some... The IndyCar drivers went on American Ninja Warrior earlier this year. And last week they went on motherfucking Family Feud. Like, what the hell? Um, so we had Helio Castroneves. I still haven't seen... Sorry, I still haven't seen American Ninja Warrior. They had outtakes from it that involved Connor Daly and Sage Karam the other day. And, uh... Highly recommend. Wait, so who competed in American Ninja Warrior? TK. It was Joseph, TK, um, Leo? And Connor and Sage just went to laugh Connor at them? Connor and Sage just went to laugh at them. And they ended up testing out one of the obstacles beforehand in like a little special feature. And Sage got halfway through it because he's like jacked and he wrestles. Um, and Connor did not. He could not be more like middle white, a middle America white frat boy if he tried. <coughs> um, you know, I I fully expect him to turn up at Pocono because he lives right down the street. So that should be anyway. So Family Feud. I mean, what do we even talk about here? Family Feud was great. It was Helio Castroneves, Will Power, James Hinchcliffe, Connor Daly. Um, who else was there? It was one other person. Hinch, Connor. Oh, and wait, I said Will Power, TK, Helio. Yeah, that's five. Five. I got this. Um. It was so good. It was so good. It, and, like, again, they draw five million viewers a night to this show, and, like, the five of them just lit it up. They were hilarious. They were delightful. And I'm hoping that it draws more people into IndyCar, you know, knowing that these guys have these personalities. It's funny. Someone someone tweeted about it, and they're like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. I was like, actually, if you – if you they were talking about James Hinchcliffe. I was like, if you only watch one video about James Hinchcliffe, watch this one. And I sent them the video of him in his sister's dog wash. Yes, yes. You should also – Because if you only watch one video to understand the essence of James Hinchcliffe, it is either that video or the video of him interviewing – the Indy 500 princesses. Oh my god, that one's good too. I would argue for the Iowa road trip video. Have you seen that one? That's also 
that also good? Yes, also good. It's ridiculous because he's filming it like it's a documentary and he's providing all the commentary for it. So it goes a little off the rails. I love the part where the, the, the whole thing was hilarious and the behind the scenes video also. I love the part where Connor Daly like pretends the guy stabbed him and the guy's like, yeah, I haven't heard that before. That's how I feel every time someone makes a joke about my name being Starsky and Hutt. Like, I've never heard that joke before. And this guy's like, and just, the guy just deadpans it and Connor's like, oh. Dude, someone made a Terminator joke in our little side chat during this, during this podcast. Like, I understand what you mean. I saw that. I was like, Sarah is plotting your death right now. Um... Yeah, the behind-the-scenes feature was good. Their answers were all hilarious. They beat the models they were playing against. I'm like, sorry, that loud noise you just heard was me kicking over a wine job. bottle. Um, they kicked ass. It was beautiful. Hinge stole the show by far. Um, I felt bad for the models because they got, they got zero yeah, points. they got owned. It was so Nothing. sad. Nothing. And, and that's what happens when you, like, I don't know if our Dindy car drivers are entirely smarter than the, the Sports Illustrated models, but they are a million times more competitive. And you bet they're hitting that buzzer even if they don't have an answer. Will Power's answers to everything had to do with dicks, which was delightful. <laughs> uh, TK, TK kissed Connor, which was hilarious. Uh, James. Steve Harvey was like, don't beat Steve them. Harvey just looked massively unimpressed with everything the whole time, which was amazing. Uh, Hinch, when the models lost, went over and gave them all, like, toy cars of his car, which was pretty great. I was like, well, thankfully you filmed this before you got a girlfriend, James Hinch, there, because she'd be mighty unimpressed right now. Yeah. Yeah, apparently she went on a- <laughs> I laughed. I was like, well, have fun. Did you see the special, like, side thing where he went on a date with one of the models? <laughs> a date. No, I didn't see that oh, part. Oh, God. But I saw him come back and being like, I've been over and talked to them all to just introduce, introduce us. And they're like, what? To suss out the competition. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or, or putting the makeup on that make me look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Uh, yeah, so Family Feud was amazing. It was it's great. So good. It just everything about It'll it. It'll be on YouTube just, at some point. Oh, if you haven't seen it, look it up. We'll try to post a link to it. I know I always like name off all these links that we're going to post in post. Maybe I'll actually do it this week. Yeah, maybe you should send me the link so I can oh, post it. Oh, that's a good it. idea. So, all right. What other stuff do we have to talk about? It's... <laughs> I was about to say, you should, just, just to give people an understanding of how this podcast works. Sasky does all the work and I just show up most of the time. <laughs> Sasky makes the document. Sasky edits the show. Sasky puts it on SoundCloud and then on our website. And Sarah's just like, hey. You know what? I wrote most of the notes tonight, okay? I did a good job. I didn't, I did not write a lot of notes last time because I only had one. We have other stuff to talk about. <laughs> we do? We could probably save this for the middle of our summer break episode that we're probably going to maybe do. It yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay. Silly season. There was Pocono testing tomorrow. Today was media day. They played wiffle ball. It was cool. Um, F1 had tire testing. Those tires are fat and they look funny. Uh, the rear wing on the Ferrari looked pretty amazing. I was all about it. Let's check that out. Um, but yeah, we'll have more for you guys in uh, about a week and a half. We'll try to come out during the summer break and yell at you guys about nothing. Um, that's kind of how we roll. So we're totally skipping the Ask TGG segment of this podcast? 
Yeah, we didn't get any questions. Y'all got to sound... Well, I, no, wait a second. We got questions. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Uh, yes, we got one, maybe? We got one about um, Family Feud, which I feel like we answered pretty well. Uh, the only other one was, have you been to the Bathurst 1000? No, I haven't, but I've watched it so many times and I love it. Uh, Patrick, who asked that question, I do know, watches a bit of video B8. I was like, we got totally other, I, I, I thought we got all these questions and then I realized that they were someone else whose podcast I'm appearing on and people asking them questions on that context. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, the lesson I've learned from this podcast, Sarah, is that I shouldn't drink half a bottle of wine while we're no, doing No, it's fine. That. Listen, we did okay. We did all right. We got through everything we wanted to talk about except maybe some of the little details Look, at the end. it sucked because Germany was shit. So. It was. But we, you know, luckily Mid-Ohio wasn't. And we had some women in motorsports stuff to talk about, so that was good. So I call this a solid B+. Plus. We did, yeah. That's, that's a good grade. Good grade for rating ourselves, which I don't really know if we need to do, because whatever. We don't do this for the ratings. We do this for our self-satisfaction. Anyway. Okay. Just to say, was the Ger- someone Okay. Someone has just asked us if the Germany Grand Prix was better, was worse than today's Australia versus Canada game. Firstly, fuck you, Canadian. Secondly, the Germany race was boring. Today's race, today's game between Australia and Canada was an excellent game, except for the fact that Canada won 2-0 and Australia should have won because we are the fifth team and they are the tenth team and it was just a hot mess. But regardless of that fact, it was... Sasky's real sad. It's just, it's... No, I'm really sad because I'm emotionally invested in the Australian women's soccer team because... Several of the players are people that I'm lucky enough to call friends mm-hmm. and players who have worked. I've played on teams, not played on teams, but I've run teams they played on and I have a personal investment in both my country and the athletes and their success. So it just sucks because now we have to go and try and beat Germany and then we have to like slog Zimbabwe, which we should be fine. Um, and then hopefully you get the third place in the two pool category and then go from there. And it just, it just makes it so much harder yeah i feel that that's okay do you know who else lost today uh not the u.s team versus new zealand new zealand (laughs) suck it america hey i have friends on that team too like legitimately i'm so sad i was like oh study i'm sorry all right we got one more we got one more question that's race cars related i don't we're not we're not a soccer podcast let's let's leave it uh rosberg is not done in the title race i think that he if he goes home over summer break recollects himself and stops fucking up things like starts and, and overtakes. I've got two words for you. What? Grid penalties. Oh, get out of here. Oh, no, you're right. Lewis Hamilton is going to start taking engine penalties soon because uh, he's, I think he's on his fifth engine right now. Um, and that engine is absolutely not going to make it to the end of the season. So we'll see. I'm good. I'm done. <clears throat> we will see. Anyway, Sasky, I think that's enough for tonight's The Grid Girls. Sarah Connors, it is 10, it's 11 past 10 on a Wednesday evening. And so, for the Grid Girls... We're out of here. And one of us will see you at the next race. Hell yeah, that'll be me. Not F1, though, because fuck that shit.